Before we jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you all a few little details of the next week or two. I'll be spending this week getting as much Ironman 70.3 World Championships content as possible and then releasing it once it's all done. For example, I'm going to be having a chat to Sam Long, who had one of the craziest days of racing we've seen, probably this year, that has led to a bit of a social media storm. So getting to the bottom of that with him will be awesome. I'm also going to be chatting to fifth place finisher Frederick Funk and a couple of other guys and girls from the race that I'll keep a surprise. But just know, there's some good episodes coming. And in the meantime, I did lead up interviews with four out of the six podium finishers from the Ironman 70.3 World Champs, where they all took me deep inside the training they did in the lead up to the race. Ben Canute, for example, who finished second, literally gave away his entire training program, as pretty much did Paula Finlay, who finished second in the women's race. But guys, the big announcement I'm making is for next Monday's episode. I never give away an episode until the night before it comes out, but I just think this one is so big that I have to let you all in on it. Next Monday will be the episode I've been waiting for since I started this podcast. It's with the head coach of Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden, Olav Alexander Boo, the man behind their success. The coach of the last two Ironman world champions, the last three Ironman 70.3 world champions, the current Olympic gold medalist. Oh, he's got an ITU world championship in there as well that everyone forgets about. And I promise you this, I will ask all the questions we want asked. I won't leave anything unasked. So if there's anything you want to hear from him, make sure you message me over on the How They Train Instagram account. I'll write it down and I'll ask him. Anyway, all that aside, enjoy this episode I recorded in the lead up to the Ironman 70.3 World Champs with third place finisher in the women's field, Emma Pallant-Brown who also had the fastest run of the day. Welcome back to How They Train. My name's Jack Kelly, and today I'm joined by one of the best female long course triathletes on the planet, Emma Pallant-Brown. Emma has won four Ironman 70.3s this year and came fifth at the Ironman 70.3 World Champs in 2021 a race where she's finished runner-up in the past. Emma is probably what most well-known inside female long-course triathlon as having one of the best bike and run combinations in the sport. Emma, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, what have you got planned for, for training today? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so I have just done a um, treadmill session. Um, yeah, it was either track or treadmill, but um, we didn't manage to get the track this morning. So jumped on the treadmill and did 4200s um and some of them at an incline um just because we're training for St George now so uh yeah there's a bit of hills on those runs um and then I'm gonna swim <clears throat> and then I will gym in the afternoon yeah and so by St George you mean the Ironman 70.3 world champs coming up in four weeks is that right five weeks yeah, flip. I hope I have five weeks. Five weeks. <laughs> I think I have five weeks. Yeah, <laughs> 40 by 200s is a pretty big session. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, um, I respond quite well, I think, to higher running volume these days. Um, and as long as there is still quite a bit of kind of good quality and variation of pace. Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of that, it's one of my favorite sessions, I think, doing the longer stuff on the treadmill. And are you are you coached by anyone at the moment? Yeah, so uh, I'm coached by Tim Don, um, who I'm sure you know. <laughs> I think everyone in triathlon knows Tim Don in some way, don't they? <laughs> for sure. How long have you been coached by Tim for? 
Um, so it was, it began, so I'm trying to think what the COVID year was. Uh, so I think it's coming up to a year, just over a year and a half now, um, kind of the end of that COVID year where we had that race in Daytona. Um, I spoke to him there and then um, we started up in January. So, yeah. What led to the decision to get Tim on board? Um, I think the year of COVID, I kind of, um, I wasn't doing, well, I was doing a structured program, but it, kind of a lot of it I was putting in myself and going back past um, kind of old running sessions. And um, my husband was throwing in some bike sessions and then we had no access to the pool. So, yeah, it was kind of um I didn't feel like there were many races anyway. So it was almost like an experimental year. Um, and then I went to Daytona and uh, yeah, it was a proper race and you kind of saw everyone was game back on and races would happen. So I wanted to have a structured plan and yeah, just get the most out of myself and my training. And I mean, I think maybe we talked directly about, about this year because your form has been probably as good as it's ever been really like um I'm, I'm actually really excited to see how you go at the the Ironman 70.3 world championships because of that what what is the training that you and Tim um have been doing looked like in in the lead up to the 70.3 world champs so far yeah so it's kind of been a funny year um I kind of uh I passed out in Miami so then we came home I had to get some heart tests and it kind of made me ground for a little bit uh, in one place, get a good block of training um, behind me. And um, yeah, we really built throughout. I think, again, that was probably a six to eight week build. Um, and then I felt felt like I went to Europe in just, I wasn't sure to begin with, but then as I started racing, I, I just felt strong and I felt like I was really fit and kind of in control of the races. Um, but then I spent the next, then it's hard to not race. So I kind of spent the next four months, um, I think I did eight races in total. And that's a lot of travel when you're going back and forth from South Africa. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of got to these last two races um, that I did last month. And I felt like my fitness had really dropped. And I'd kind of, yeah, well, didn't feel how I did at the start going into when I first raced Italy. Um, so I definitely felt like my body needed another good um, hard block. And we pretty much done the same thing. So the the first week coming back was just getting used to the altitude again. Um, here in Johannesburg, it's actually really similar conditions to St. George. It's dry. It's um, altitude. We're starting to go into summer. So you're getting a bit of heat. Um, and yeah, to begin with, more endurance. Had a big kind of bike focused week. I'm starting to do my uh, swim strength work again. And yeah, more miles in the pool, I think. Um, and then now the the quality started to kick in. Uh, last week, I had some decent sessions. And I think the next four weeks, it's just going to get harder each week um, before then we drop into a taper week. I'm really um, like keen to hear about the, the bike and run training you do particularly. I know that you probably <laughs> spend like a lot of time focusing on your swim because, you know, objectively, it's it's where if you're going to lose a race, that's probably where it'll be. And then the bike and the run are probably where you're going to win the race. So, um, and I guess that's just a little bit more exciting to talk about because you're so strong across those two disciplines. Um, has that come naturally to you or is there things inside your training? Like, is it, 
is it that, uh, like I was talking to Dan Larang, who's Anne Hug's coach. And I said, like, why is Anne so good at, run, at, at running? And he goes, well, because she loves it so much, she just wants to train more in that. And, like, and because she loves it and does so much of it and is excited to do hard sessions or long runs, she just becomes good at it. Is that the same sort of thing for you? Or, or, or do you think it is specific things you do in your training that make you such a good runner and cyclist? Yeah, I think um, I always grew up running and and I do really love to run. It's kind of the highlights of my week. So those hard key run sessions. Um, and I think I always came into triathlon just thinking I was kind of a runner doing triathlon um, and always kind of relying on my run. Um, and I don't think I really consider myself kind of a, a decent cyclist until I met Tim. Um, I think my aerodynamics, I never really, like I didn't realize that my power was actually pretty good. Uh, I just thought I was just stronger on the hills because I could make it hurt. Um, but then when Tim kind of really focused on the aerodynamics, I'd say that's the first bit of training that changed in my bike training um, that really helped me actually believe in myself a bit more on the bike and kind of do more chasing and and take it on a little bit more rather than, think I have to be tactical and sit around on the bike and save for the run um and I think that yeah I, I'd say that's one of the hardest bits when I first started with Tim that was reducing that power so actually learning to ride in the position and my watts coming down and I almost felt like I was going backwards as a cyclist but then yeah my results definitely started to come um and then I was able to build back up to the kind of original power in position um so I'd say that's the part that's really helped my biking um and I think as well mileage wise Tim has dropped me down from what I used to do um I I think I very much wanted to cling on the mileage that I did as a pure runner um coming into triathlon and I held that for quite a few years and added in the the swim and biking around it but um yeah Tim's kind of made me run a little bit less but definitely the quality, like when my heart is hard, it's even harder, I would say. He kind of sets me time sometimes that I think, sure, like what's Tim on? Does does he realize what he wants me to run here? I'm not sure. Um, I've hit those speeds before. And then, yeah, if you do your easy, easy enough, then your heart does actually start getting better. So with that, what would like a typical week of running look like for you under Tim? Uh, so for example, this week, um, I'd, I'd have, I think I have two main sessions. So one's more on Thursdays, more of a tempo. So my long, like longer holds, um, Tuesdays, more of like a hard track type session. Um, yeah, more of your, your quality top high end work. Um, and a lot of that being Hills now, um, going into St. George, um, I did a long run on Sunday. Um, we actually did that around a 10K race. Um, and the Sunday before that, I had kind of 3K style reps within my long run. Um, so again, kind of getting a little bit of that tempo quality within your endurance sessions as well. Um, and then around that, again, depending on the bike mileage of the week, um, I'll probably have one, maybe two kind of longer, steadier, runs not not as long as my long run my long run would be like 22 or so k um and these would be something like 12k um 
that's another thing that's really changed is as a runner and what I was doing in triathlon before my weeks were very much um like I knew a Monday would be this a Tuesday Wednesday that like I, I could tell you exactly what my week would be whereas with Tim one week we'll have a swim focus one week we'll have a bike focus one week we'll have a run focus and yeah I honestly couldn't say that I would definitely have a key session uh, on this day. It kind of, it, it changes a lot, um, which keeps me on my toes, especially as someone being coming from a very routine background. Um, I kind of found that a little bit tricky at the beginning. So when you talk about these like longer tempo-y style runs, so you said um, that, you know, inside of your Sunday long run, you might do some some efforts or there might be another day of the week where you're not running as fast as you would on the track, but you're still doing some kind of efforts. What what do those sessions look like and and what's the point of those sessions? Yeah, I think um, the point being that, um, so you, I will sometimes have a two hour or one hour 45 kind of just literally a steady run. Um, but then in kind of your 90 minutes, your one hour 20s, I think if you can hold, um, and a lot of the times, like I'm talking about that 3K will be kind of around race pace. Um, and if you can hold that on a terrain that is um, always changing and your your a, it also makes you take on nutrition um, because you've got that little bit of quality in the in the long run. So you're also testing that. Um, but I think it's about getting used to that feel and that flow of holding that kind of race feel um, within a long run. Um, and when you're a bit fresher, because you just get it dialed in a little bit more naturally. Um, I'm also someone that doesn't like to look at my watch all the time. Um, and so you get to know kind of your body's flow. And it's also a good time to think about good form um, when you're going a little bit up, like above that really easy, steady kind of base and joints work. You're able to get those kind of hips a little bit higher. You're thin thinking about your knee lift. Your arm cadence is a little bit higher. Um, and you're just training in that that kind of race-relevant flow um, and then getting your, your switching down to your steady running in between that. So almost like a button being able to switch on and switch off and um, it just gets a bit more natural, I think. And how many of your long runs would have like uh, intervals or efforts inside of them versus versus how many would just be like a, you know, like you said, an hour 45 or 20, 22 K steady. Yeah. I'd say in the kind of winter time in the, the buildups that aren't quite as close to key races, I'd say a lot more would be your, your 28 K run, your, your two hour run, your um, yeah, just that steady state. Whereas um, yeah, here, I think maybe out of the five weeks, kind of the five Sundays, I'd probably have, two with um, more of tempos in then one that's longer and steadier and then another two with kind of um, more more tempo work in um, so yeah that's that's kind of a, fifth, a one fifth of it being long and steady and for the for the track sessions that you do Emma um, are they always just super fast like you talked about a, a little bit earlier or um, are they more regularly like 40 times 200s like at around race pace like it was sort of um, today, for example? Yeah, I'd say um, they're normally quite a bit above race pace. So um, something like 10 1Ks, um, getting quicker um, during during the reps. Um, I think, yeah, it's very much kind of negative splitting. So always trying to finish faster than you're starting the track set. 
Um, but I'd say most of that that kind of early week, really hard key track session is is well above race pace. And what would you say is your favourite run of the week? Is it is it your long run? Is it your track session? Is it is it your session that's neither of those but has a bit of a bit of like race pace stuff in it? What one do you look forward to the most? Um, I'd probably say my build run, um, my build run on the treadmill, um, just because I find it really hurts. And I I think you can totally switch off on the treadmill. I think you're almost programming in that pain of yeah, your your legs don't think that they can keep going that far. And then it kind of becomes a brain effort. Um, so that'll be like a 2K warm-up, then a, a 5K kind of going pretty well, then a 5K really starting to feel uncomfortable, and then a 5K all out. Um, and then, yeah, 2K super easy cool down. Um, I think that's probably my favorite. Just, just as well on the treadmill, you're kind of you're always on the same treadmill. You know your paces from before, and you've really got something to kind of race and um, and to try and beat. Yeah, with that, I'm always super fascinated with treadmill stuff. So, for your five k five k progressions, there, what speeds do you actually run at for those progressions throughout it? And um, like, do you set the incline up a little bit at all, or are you someone who runs with it just like at zero incline? Yeah, so um, again, depending on the treadmill, um, the normally I'm using, uh, I've got one at home um, and that's uh, got 1% inclines. Um, so I always run at 1%. Um, I, I don't really, don't think I do any of my treadmill work um, at 0%. It's either a graded like hill effort or it's at 1%. Um, if it's on one of the gym ones, Again, it depends how kind of the, I feel like you can, if you run on the treadmill enough, you kind of know the the feel of it. Um, and some of them can have quite aggressive kind of tilts or depends where they stand in the, in the gym. Um, so sometimes that'll be on a kind of 1.5 if it's, um, if it just doesn't feel like the one at home. Um, and then effort wise, again, it really varies on kind of the paces, that I'm hitting, I, yeah, I want to be getting down in that um, kind of last 5k into at least your, your 315, your 310 pace, um, that kind of top end k um, clocking. And again, just having a real differential between the other two speeds. Um, and I'd say those two, yeah, it kind of depends again on the week and where it is in the week, um, but maybe something like a, a four minute kind of pace to, to begin with um, and then gradually building that over time so maybe even splitting into 10 minute efforts where you're you're doing four minutes and taking off 10 seconds uh, each five or 10 minutes. And with that on on like um because you're doing like quite a few sessions every week and like there's a fair bit of variance with it like so you're doing some longer stuff um, like some longer intervals a long run that could have intervals in it progression runs like long progression runs on a treadmill you're doing some fast stuff on the track how do you decide what footwear like what what shoes you're wearing in all of those sessions do you do you wear your race shoe for a lot of those efforts or are you like wearing heavier safer shoes for a lot of them yeah so um i run in hawkers and um i definitely use so for track workouts always my my race shoes um i think that that's really important um just for that race feel um quite often i do it without socks as well um just because yeah you're you're getting that feel um 
kind of that race mode feel. Um, and I'd say the only other time I probably use that is if it's a hard run off the bike. Um, again, just having the elastics in there, it's a good time to check if you've got anything rubbing and and the kind of tension of the elastics and um, how the foot feels without your laces. Um, then I'd say I kind of have a, I'd call a, a kind of mid shoe, kind of between the two, um, flexi type shoe um something like your mac um that are often used for the the treadmill longer tempos um and then for my long runs even if they have efforts in i'll always use kind of a bit more of a cushion shoe something like the bondi um yeah just because i think you can still be dynamic in a slightly more cushion shoe um and it just kind of spreads out that impact especially if you've got something like a hard bike session uh the next day i just find the the legs are less kind of sore and then speaking um or my last question about your running how many how many kilometers per week would would your typical week be like at the moment if it sort of had everything in it that you would usually do and compare that to to what you were doing when you felt like you were training as like a high mileage runner who was doing triathlon yeah I think um sure I think it would be about a a 60 70k um and then I'd say you're in in what I was doing before I'd say you're adding another at least kind of 20 or 30k on top of that I think I was a really kind of top heavy mileage um runner before um but I'd say the quality of the running that I was doing it was very much a lot of it was at one kind of pace just a quick break from the episode to thank some patreons if you didn't know each week I put about 15 hours work into this podcast and I'm doing it all by myself and don't get me wrong I absolutely love it it's literally my favorite thing I've ever done in my life but with how much work it takes It seriously only continues to happen because of the generous, loyal listeners who decide to support the show on Patreon. So today, I really want to thank Philip Stoneman, Daniel Hubble, Lee Lavery, Laura Dixon, Adam Beckworth, Lyle Smith, Dallas Jarrod, and Calm Gallo for their continued support on Patreon. You are all a massive part of the reason this show gets released every week. And as I hope you're all enjoying recently, multiple episodes per week. That is literally only happening and has only changed because of the people signing up to Patreon and allowing me to spend more time chasing big guests, recording and producing episodes. So if you want to join in and help support the show or wanted to know if there was a way you could could support the show but didn't know, then the link to Patreon is in the show notes or in the bio of the How They Train Instagram. It means way, way more than you could ever know and it literally keeps this train on the tracks. Enjoy the rest of the episode, guys. And then transitioning onto onto your bike, um, because yeah, I I, I, um, I do see you as like a really strong cyclist as well as just being a really strong runner. Now I reckon there's been times in your career where I have sort of looked at at you as as a runner who you know isn't quite as good at the other two, but I reckon you have like without question established yourself as one of the the best cyclists in the sport now and. And I know you touched on on that a little bit with Tim. We're focusing on your position and 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 going backwards to go forwards there. But what is your what is your actual training looked like to to get you to that point as well? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of it has been very different um, in terms of kind of weeks. Um, I think 
again beforehand I, I could have told you okay I have a key bike on the Tuesday and then I will have kind of a bike to run on the Thursday then I'll do a long ride at the weekend um whereas now I think it's more kind of periodized in weeks um so yeah I have more of like my first week back here um at altitude a lot of kind of days I was doing these three hour four hour rides um and it was a really kind of heavy mileage week um but that was only one week then the, the next week you're kind of knocking a bit of the mileage back and starting to put more tempo work in um and then this week we've had some started to put in some real kind of efforts in there um and yeah as the intensity goes up then the mileage is coming down but I think a lot of it is the emphasis in position um and the amount of time that I spend on my TT bike um I think beforehand I was doing a lot of work um not even on kind of my race bike a lot on an indoor bike um not in race position um and also with Tim one of the biggest differences for the bike um it's just the amount of data he uses and I think yeah before I never looked as much at my heart rate and correlating that with my power um and my power kind of zones um I just thought okay hard is just going hard going all out um easy is going easy and there wasn't much in between um whereas now there's kind of yeah he has he uses about five different zones and really kind of works with percentages of of what I'm doing and correlating that with how my um heart rate is fluctuating and in the build up to like 70.3 world champs here obviously you know you you've sort of said that you're not really sure what's what's going to come the the next week of your program but up until this point what's the longest ride that you've done been um so i would say the longest so i did 4 4 hours 45 on saturday uh the saturday just gone um and yeah i'd say i wouldn't really go longer than that um that also had a little bit of hill efforts in um and yeah i think that's kind of the 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 longest that i will go before the worlds yeah and and so the hill efforts in that what do they look like and then say last week for example maybe we can just use a, an exact week week to make it easier rather than being general what were the other sessions that you did inside that week yeah, so um, the hill efforts were literally kind of riding the hills strong. Um, and because they were like well spread out through the route that we were, um, it was making sure the power at the beginning when you're fresh, feeling good, um, compared to the power at the end when you, yeah, have you had the right nutrition? Are you still feeling good? Are you still feeling like you're you're going strong at the hills? Um, how the feeling is comparing with the power. So just making sure that hasn't, tapered off um then yeah so last week my efforts I'm trying to think which efforts I have I should have pulled this up <laughs> um I had uh yeah so 20 minute tempos uh so again you're kind of just above the the race power um in position um just doing four of them out on the road yeah with with pickups before each one so getting some lactic up um that was my longer session then my two and a half hour one um had in it three by uh three so three sets of 
eight bar 45 all out. Um, and the recovery between, so that's 45 seconds, sorry. And the recovery between that was changing 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 45, 45, and then ending on a minute. Um, but that was like spread out through a two and a half hour ride. Um, so yeah, good recovery in between those three sets. And are you just doing long one long ride per week and then sort of everything else is is like um, a session day that has a little bit of volume around it and some easy days? Or are you doing like a long ride and then like another long ride, but it just isn't quite as long? Um, yeah, so the, the first week I came back, I think I had two four-hour rides, two three-hour rides, and a two-and-a-half-hour ride and a two-hour ride. So that was, yeah, six days of kind of longer riding. Um, but that was a very typical kind of easier. I, I think the only thing I was doing that week, um, I had some tempo runs, but I think the only really hard, hard stuff was in the swim. Um, I kind of find coming back to altitude, I can, yeah, swim, swim pretty hard, pretty early on. Um, and then now I think now most of them are, sessions I'll maybe have a three-hour ride um and then that'll be kind of like just a mid-ride midweek um that's steady and then a like a four-hour ride at the weekend that will by now start having a run off the bike and have efforts in that longer ride and so that that sort of like 18-ish hour week on the bike would that be the longest kind of volume you would do weekly on the bike or or is it always actually pretty similar to that and it ju- it does just add some intensity throughout as it builds in the program yeah i definitely say when kind of maybe if we're talking two weeks out from the worlds i definitely think my mileage will will drop down um i don't think i'll have that many um long longer rides um but i think the intensity will will really be a lot higher um i think yeah sometimes as well following a, a activation week so maybe a bit of a shorter mileage but some really really hard efforts in then the next week will be your kind of three hours will start having um longer but less intense kind of reps in um but probably i'd say about two or three bike sessions a week um at least in kind of a, a normal training week and then um like I was sort of asking in the run, what's your favorite bike session that you do? Or like, is there one that you would like routinely do that you love? Or was there just this one that you did once that stands out as being a session you really loved? Yeah. Um, this one's a bit of a killer. It's, it's only three hours. Um, but within it, you're doing um, 10 minute intervals, but they're all as one block. So you do 10 minutes um and then you add 10 watts and you go on in five stages hold it at the top um for 20 minutes and then you drop back down um back to the bottom and then at the end you do a 15 minute just above race pace into a one minute all out sprint then you do a one minute easy and then you do a 10 minute just above race pace into a one minute all out sprint um and yeah those efforts at the end really really hurt you kind of feel like you get through those blocks of 10 and and you feel pretty toasted um and then you almost feel like you have a whole nother session to do um but um yeah I think again that one is just so much about really drinking and eating um and I always have a run off that as well so 
yeah it's basically how high you can keep your hydration and carb intake on that um the better you kind of do towards that end session yeah to probably wrap up the the cycling and running questions i was going to ask that um how many brick sessions do you do and do you do them at all it sounds like you do obviously but uh is that like a weekly thing for you are they ever like key sessions do you do like big bricks or yeah take me through that yeah so again i think it's something i probably used to do a lot more of um but i think i used to only have one key session um in a day so sometimes that would be a brick and then um it would be kind of a a run key session day and a bike key session day whereas now kind of with tim i'll have two maybe sometimes even three big hard key sessions on a day um but they won't necessarily run one into the other um so you kind of eat and recover in between um then yeah i think very typically i'll normally only brick on a saturday so just once a week um and yeah i don't think i do that much running um maybe sometime every now and then i'll do do it twice a week but um yeah, I'd say more often it's once a week. What's your favorite brick you've ever done? Is it that one that you just did then, or is there like a combination that with the run makes another session your favorite brick that you've done? Yeah, I think um, so. I did. I've done one that is um, twenty minute efforts within a. Again, it's a three hour bike. Twenty minute efforts in there, and then the runoff is um, five hundred meters, getting into your flow, getting into your rhythm, taking your gel, and then three k all out. So again, just pumping it super hard, making it hurt, um, not being on the treadmill, doing it outside um, on a flatter place as possible, which is actually really hard to find in Johannesburg. Um, then a 2K, nice and easy. Then a 500 meters all out. Um, then 500 meters, nice and easy. Um, yeah, just gets you sharp. It really gets the heart rate up. And especially from those kind of 20 minute, like it's, it's a very different feel doing a 20 minute efforts on the bike compared to a 3k kind of all out on a run um I just kind of like the change of that and um especially yeah that last 500 really hurts and now onto the subject that I it's like my least favorite part to talk about with triathlon training but swimming um uh, (laughs) uh, is that something like I sort of hinted at earlier is it a big big focus for you with like the way that you race and the way that you can win races like are you because historically your swim hasn't been your strongest leg is it something that you're really focusing on still to this day and um and like a big factor in your training is trying to make sure you can be as far uh, forward in the swim as you can possibly be yeah i think it's that one thing um that i find i really improve having training partners with um a lot of my other like i really don't mind doing my my running and my cycling on my own um but my swim i think i think i almost feel like it's it's damage limitation it's that as as close as i can get um coming out of the water to that kind of front pack then the better um but i know it's never going to be an easy day and um yeah i think it's also about trying to work less hard in the water because I think you're coming out if your heart rate's so much more elevated and you've wasted so much more energy than a good swimmer. Um, you're kind of really gonna find it hard to make that first bit of the bike sting and 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 be able to take time in there. Um, so we have we're always looking at 
improving my technique and things that I can do to get a better feel in the water. Um, something we also tried with, um, so obviously doing upper upper um, body weights in the gym uh, last winter, that I think helped a little bit as well as the flexibility um, poolside before I got in. Um, I did see a bit of a difference there. Um, but I think as well, it's it's one of those things that um, thinking and feeling what you're doing, like for me, there's no point in going into the pool if I'm super, super tired. Um, I'm just going to ingrain bad habits. So if it's a key swim, I always put it first thing of the day. And I'm really lucky to have guides around me that are always happy to jump in and do it with me. Um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll do my key run and key bike after. I have no worries with that. Um, and then as well, just... The um, I don't know what you call them. I think people call them buoyancy shorts or we we call them fat pants. So that just hold you up a little bit better in the water, hold that good position. Um, if I have got an evening swim that's focusing on technique, um, popping those on just so that I'm making sure I'm going to have good habits and um, ingrain good form kind of in that. And how much volume are you doing swimming per week? Are you a high volume swimmer or are you more like a low volume, but a, but a high focus on technique and, and speed and that kind of thing? Yeah. So I'd say my longest sessions are kind of a 6K. My shortest sessions would be about 4K. So um, they don't massively change and I'm doing it at least five times a week. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I, I could get up to kind of 35 uh, K a week but it's probably on average more of a 30 or or under um so I wouldn't say it's a massive massive volume but I, I don't think it's super light either um it's kind of a good mix of I'd say three really good key sessions um a week and probably going to start introducing now it's getting a little bit warmer in Johannesburg um a Sunday open water swim as well because I just find that helps with yeah, getting in your wetsuit and making it a bit more race specific as well. And specifically to the 70.3 world champs, which are probably like the biggest race on, on your calendar this year and, and the thing you're, you're training for at the moment, who are the, who are the girls that you, not, I don't want to say worried about, but who are the girls that you are thinking about as people who could potentially be there and, and shape the race and, and, you know, like you're obviously going there to win. Do you, do you even think about girls like that and, and think about who might be the, the people that are there in the race competing with you for that win and, and how it might affect the race dynamics and, and what you have to do on race day? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I'm, I'm really aware of that good, strong kind of front group of swimmers that um, you got your like Paula Finleys and your Ellie Salthouse and Holly Lawrence. And um, I think Taylor and Lucy are often going to be off the front doing their own thing. Um, and they race their own race. But then if there's a, a train of those girls kind of really working well together on the bike, um, I think you've always got to have that in your head that you just have to bike hard from the start. And um, I think that kind of, yeah, it makes my tactics always chasing that um, just not leaving anything for the run. You run with with kind of your heart and with whatever you have left. Um, I think you almost... For me in this race, I'll I'll have to overbike a little bit, um, and yeah, it's a good way of suffering and 
getting yourself back into the race and hoping to get with those girls that might be forming kind of that chase pack because I think as well like your Flora Duffies and your the, the more these people kind of race and race together and race with each other they get a feel for how each other race and I think it does tend to get a bit more organized and and you work a bit more strongly together so it's trying to get up there and be a part of that. And my last question Emma is just on the the other little details that make up you know the life of a professional triathlete so We've gone extensively over your swimming and your, your riding and your running, but what else is important to you to to make sure you're getting the most out of yourself? For, for example, are you someone who focuses on diet a lot or sw- on sleep a lot or are you re- are like a recovery um, addict as in like you're just always foam rolling or what is it? What are the other things or the, or is there is there nothing else? Are you just someone who is the fun- fun- fundamentals of swim, bike, run and, and everything else is sort of meh? Yeah, I think um I think being happy is a massive one. So uh I love being in a place where I know the roots, where I'm comfortable, where I have all my home things, where I have my dogs. Um for me that's kind of also a nice kind of between sessions, a little recovery walk, take them out to the field. Um and yeah, I'm not I'm not the best sleeper. I'm someone that if I have a power nap and it gets over 20 minutes or it's in the afternoon, it will definitely affect my evening swim. Uh, sleep so um I think that I I very much kind of have yeah have tried to get good sleep in the evening um we go to bed quite early so we're getting up early and that always helps being in that kind of time routine um load shedding is kind of helping at the moment as well um but I like to I think when you're working your body so hard in the day um it's always easier to switch off and make yourself sit down if you've got a bit of work to do so um I coach a few athletes and I really enjoy doing that because it just it's almost like it exercises your brain and and it makes you um and it does yeah it makes you sit down um and in that time when I'm sitting down I I do put on the boots um I've got those hyper ice compression boots and half an hour in the evening of those um always help me and and Again, I probably don't have the best circulation. Um, so I think that really, really, I do notice a difference um, to the point of I won't travel without them. Even if we're limited luggage, I think it does my husband's head in. But um, yeah, he has to uh, he has to pack them in somewhere. Um, so I'd say um, hydration-wise as well, I'm a heavy sweater. So keeping on top of my hydration um and eating little and often um yeah I I definitely keep on I'm a big eater I keep on top of my eating awesome well thanks so much for 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 jumping on for an episode today Emma that was uh that was one of the most sort of like informative episodes I think I've ever done on this podcast you um you were so open open and honest about everything you did it was sort of just like 40 minutes of just straight learning for me. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. Um, I really appreciate it. I hope Tim doesn't, doesn't mind that you just gave away pretty much all of his secrets, uh, in, in 40 minutes. <laughs> I'm sure he won't. He says I'm very individual athlete to coach. So I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but, um, yeah. Cheers. Thank you so much. It's been good to chat. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch 70.3 worlds. And I, I just think if you're ever going to win it this year, I just, the race seems to be like who's going to be there and that course, it seems to be shaping up like really well for you this year. It was a big reason why why I asked you to come on because I think if, if there's ever a year you can win it, like it's got to be this year. 
Thank you so much. Sure. I try not to let you down. <laughs> so it's good to have that <laughs> Yeah, use that to use that to uh, motivate you on for the rest of the sessions today. Thank you so much. See you, Emma. Thank you. Perfect. Cheers.